talk to you about a passage today. I'm not going to give it to you right away, though, because I don't want you to turn in there yet. But I want to talk to you about a phrase, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about a real well-known passage, but maybe you've never actually looked at it the way that we're going to look at it today. Encourage you and hopefully leave you with a simple thought that can help you in your life for Christ. My desire is to preach the Bible. My desire, first of all, is to preach what God wants me to preach out of the Bible. And if he tells me to preach uh, a passage of Scripture that is going to rub the cat the wrong way, I'll do it. Always have. I've always said from day one, if he, you'll move me, I'll do it. Maybe my last Sunday, but I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm, I just have tried, to, by the grace of God, to do that in his spirit. Uh, I preached uh, with the girls yesterday, and the Lord led me to preach that message, and I prepared it, got it together. And it was uh, basically about selfishness. And so my wife on the way out, I told her, she said, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, I'm preaching on uh, 1 Timothy 5, 6. A woman that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. She said, that's a little negative, don't you think? I said, will you take that up with the Apostle Paul? When you see him. Was, is there any part of the Bible that's bad? I mean, think about it. Is there any part of the Bible that you could say shouldn't be there? If you say that, ooh, I'm scared for you. I said, well, I just feel it's the right thing to preach. So I even come up under pressure at home. Then when she came back yesterday afternoon, she said, oh, the Holy Spirit moved you to do that because that was just the right message. I said, there you go. How many have heard the phrase, I, want you, I like to vote. How many have heard the phrase, never say never? How many have ever been sorry you said never? Now, most of the time, young people won't raise their hand because they're still thinking maybe that's a valid phrase. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible thinks about that. Oh, many times I've heard that. How many times I've had to eat my words, and they're not very tasty the second time over. Uh, I, I since have eaten those words a few times, have tried never to say never. That's an oxymoron. As I've grown older, I have learned through painful lessons that we that live in the flesh fail far too often in keeping what I call never promises. Um, but people say, but isn't it noble to say never, preacher? Oh, it is. It does sound noble or we wouldn't do it. That makes sense. We wouldn't say these things. Uh, you're the only woman for me, and I'll never, ever love another woman. 
Half of you have broken that. See, so you got to be careful about all those hasty statements you may make because you'll find that you'll be eating those words and they won't be so good. Um, noble, it may sound, but shamefully embarrassing when you violate it. The Bible really forbids in this life making what I call all-powerful or all-inclusive remarks. We're not in the position to make those kind of remarks. Take your Bible, if you would, to James chapter 4. And I'm going to go to a few places because this is a teaching, preaching. Hopefully you'll, I'll, I'll simplify this down to one major thought at the end. But in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16, so important that we get this and, and then get it early as you can and get it and get it deep in your soul about what God's saying here. <coughs> Excuse me for that little once in a while cough. Not quite over it yet. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, and, and you may want to circle the three words, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Every time I read that, I think of all the people that are gone. A preacher, I buried 150, 60 folks. People I loved, people I fellowshiped with, people I went door to door with, people we, people, over 100, over 200 people that used to sit in the auditorium at Gospel Baptist are gone. They've already become the vapor that appears for a little time and are gone. And guess what? You're going to join them. And it's not because you came to Gospel Baptist. but you will vanish away from this old world. For, look in verse 15, this is the clincher. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now I grabbed that, I grabbed onto that early in life and I began to, I began to say, if the Lord will. My wife wants tomorrow, I've rented a, trice, a Harley trike and I'm going to pick it up at 9 o'clock at Harley-Davidson dealer, and we're going to go up to the strawberry factory, or strawberry something, up in the middle of the state, and we're going to eat strawberries so we're sick, and we're going to try to make our way back and, and drop the bike back off at Harley, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. My wife kind of, women, I don't know if all women are this way, because I really only know one woman very well, but she likes to, Take the if off of that, and once in a while she'll say, "Now you were going to do. Now we're going to. Now we're going. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. Now you're not going to last minute." I said, "Kathy, if the Lord will, it's Bible. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. How about you? Now I've made plans. I went down there and watched a seven-minute video. I went down there and signed all the papers, signed my life away." And uh, I, I've done all the necessary preparation to do that. But tomorrow morning, I may wake up or may I may not wake up. 
She may wake up or may not wake up. We don't know what's going to happen. We're just trusting God because really my life's like a vapor that appears for a little while and is gone. And, and God doesn't owe me or come to me and say, this is a schedule. Look at verse 16 of that passage we're in now. But, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. <clears throat> All such rejoicing is evil. God does not appreciate your arrogancy or my arrogancy on time. On time. Like you know what's going to happen. Because he knows you don't know. And God is a God that likes to do things outside the box, brother. I mean, man, he likes to come from angles you never even dreamt of. Things he'll put in your life you never even would have thought about. And so I realize in who God is, some, by having the mind of Christ, the Bible, and reading it, and finding out what he did to others and how he did it. You kind of get to know God some, whom to know is life everlasting, and, and you want to know him, and you get, to, you get to walk with him and day by day through the uh, wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Bible. But you still will not outguess God. You will not outguess God. And so he says, you just say, get up every day and say, if the Lord will, we're going to do this. Now, there's nothing wrong with determining things. There's nothing wrong with planning things. I think old Bob Jones Sr. used to say, plan like you're going to live 100 years and live like today's your last day. And in James here, it says, basically, live like today's your last day. You may want to plan like you're going to live to be 100. I got people in this room say, I want to live to 100. So far, in the 37 years of Gospel Baptist, we've never had any male live over 94 years old. We've never had any female that was a member of Gospel Baptist live over 94 years old. So if you're 93... Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 5. You don't have to turn. Let me quote it. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departed from the Lord. In my flesh I find no good thing. Read Romans chapter 7. The Bible clearly condemns and warns us against relying on the power of the flesh uh, because it will fail you miserably. The pain that we incur as a Christian when we fall away from the Spirit and go back to the flesh. Now take your Bibles to the text verse. This is our text verse, Matthew 26. And verses 31, 35. A passage that many of you probably, if you've been a Christian long at all, you've heard about this. The denial of Peter, how he denied Jesus three times. I have meditated long and hard about that, this passage. Uh, it occurs in every gospel. You know, God doesn't mind revealing your faults. You do, but why do you? Pride. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he don't mind talking about David's faults. He don't mind talking about Solomon's faults. 
You know, you name some in the Bible. You don't mind talking about their faults. I think there's only two men I know in the Bible that have nothing bad said about them. That's Joseph and Daniel. There may be more, but that's two that I know about. But brother, out of all the people mentioned in the Bible, that's pretty rare. It didn't mean they didn't have faults. It just meant that God didn't choose to bring those faults up. They were very likely very humble people. And they were so humble that God didn't need to bring up their faults to further right that ship. And so he didn't, he didn't do it. So we read here. Let's read quickly and make a few comments. Let's say a Jesus, then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Now he's in the midst of his disciples. Uh, the, the setting is it's, it's getting ready. To, it's over. They're going to go to Mount of Olives. <coughs> For it's written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Of course, they're the sheep. He's the shepherd. They get it. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. They, they begin to get it. They're focusing. And Peter. Peter is the leader. It's always Peter, James, and John. There's a, called the inner circle of the disciples, of the 12 disciples. It's always been Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Mount of Olives, Peter, James, and John. Up in, in, in wherever they went, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Peter is the leader. He's been designated by God to be the leader. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended. Now this is in front of everybody. Because of thee. Now look at this. Yet will I, and there's that word, never be offended. Noble, high-sounding, powerful, strong, authoritative words. Huh. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, not tomorrow, not tomorrow, this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me not once. Not once. You're going to deny me three times. That's bad, man. You know, you'll forgive somebody once, right? But the second time they do the same thing and ask you to forgive them, it's a little tougher, right? But the third time they come up to you and they do it, my mother used to say, quit coming to me and asking to me to forgive you. Just quit doing it. Well, I'd love to do that. If I didn't say that to her, I'd have got my face smacked and beat up. Verse 35, Peter said unto him, this challenges Peter now. Pride, remember, who, who's the, the pride in Peter, the carnality in Peter is rising up to the occasion. And so though I should die, he... He upped the ante. At first it was, you're gonna, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to be offended. I'm never going to. You will not know. I'll never be offended of you. But Jesus said, you will be. Three times you're going to deny me. And he says, I should, if I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise, I also said all the disciples. And that's repeated again in Mark chapter 14, verse 31, where it says, likewise, also they all said that. In Luke chapter 22, verse 30, he says, I'm ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. In John chapter 13, verse 37, he says, I will lay down my life for thy sake. But you don't get harder than that. You take all kinds of promises, you know, uh, scouts honor, you know, cross my heart and hope to die. Do whatever you want. I'll throw salt over your shoulder. What, it's not going to be any harder than that. Most of you know the agonizing story of this passage 
and the thrice shameful denial of Peter about he denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Why in the world is this in the Bible? And why in the world is it in all four Gospels? And because God does not mind dealing with this area of pride that we have, this self-reliance. What God had to do for Peter to be the leader, and and Jesus knew who he chose, and he was going to be the leader, and he was going to do what Jesus had asked him to do, but there had to be some learning between here and there. And he has, before Peter is going to be any use to the kingdom of God, which is opposite the kingdom of man, the things which men admired, God despises. And so he had to overcome this self-reliance, this pride, this arrogancy. Because not only did it, would it fail, but it repelled God. It repulsed him. He had to show Peter his need This whole denial thing was Peter seeing his need. And man, he's done that in my life. I have sometimes fallen flat on my face before I finally realized I can't do this without God. I want to. I want to preach without God, but I can't. I've given it a shot. You can't preach without God. You can't go door to door. You can go door to door without God, but it isn't happy. It's not fun, and it's not happy, and the results are not what you want to get. But I'd rather go with God and not me, amen? I'd rather let my pride stay back home, and I'd rather go with God in total dependency of the Holy Spirit. But how do you learn that? You learn that like Peter learned it. you got to see your need. And when you see your need, ooh, it's ugly. It is very ugly. It's important today that you get this. Man, it's important you get this. We are not on bragging ground in the flesh. We are in jeopardy in the flesh every hour. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's not the Bible say that. But how easy is it to switch from the Spirit to the flesh? How much distance is there between the Spirit and the flesh? A millisecond apart. I can be definitely spiritual and talking to you in the Holy Spirit and immediately switch over to the flesh and back. There's not much distance between the two. And it's it's, uh, heart-rending how easy to switch. Peter had these noble-sounding words. Uh, He he had his chest out. I I think Peter, I'm just going to give you my guess on what Peter looked like. I think he was a early big boy. I think Peter was probably about 240, 250. I think he was solid. He was about two foot thick chest. He's pulling them nets. You know, I mean, anybody that's done any of that kind of netting, man, he was weathered. He'd been outside. He's been pretty much his whole life. He he was a weathered looking guy. He was, uh, he was burly. He was strong. He was, uh, he was speak first, think later. I mean, he was going to lead whether he should or not. He was just going to, he was just a born leader. And God had to take that guy, which is so rough, and make him be the leader. And boy, there was a distance to be done there. 
Beware of the flesh and its confidences. Beware of saying things like, I will never leave thee. I will never fail. I will never deny thee. Remember Peter. Oh, the price, the price of him being a leader. The Peter means a little rock. It's just a little stone. Christ is the big, massive rock, and his name means just a little pebble or a little stone. And uh, the, that little that little that Peter, this big old boy, 250-plus pound, big old burly, muscly guy, fell before a little maid. It says, I think you're one of his disciples. What did he have to fear from that little maid? He could have whipped her with one hand. He got fearful. I don't know him. The Bible says he swore and he cursed that he didn't know Jesus. That's how bad the flesh had got. The flesh to save its integrity, the flesh to save its honor, will swear and cuss and promise and, you know, do whatever it's got to do. And then how about when, when Peter caught the eye of Jesus? In the midst of the denial, he looked up, and Jesus, of course, being God, looked over and their eyes met. Now, there's something about that. The eyes met. I told you, Peter. Your flesh will fail you. If you folks try to live the Christian life in the power of your will, it'll shame you like it did Peter. These awful words of fleshly confidence replayed in Peter's head his whole life. Until The jailer came in and said, Peter, it's time for you to be crucified. It's time for you to die for Jesus. Years later, Peter fulfilled those words. But he didn't fulfill them in the power of the flesh. He fulfilled him in the power of the Spirit. You know, he did fulfill him, though. He did. Sorry. He fulfilled the words. I'll never deny that. He didn't. He, 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 he. But it was a different man that died then. It was a different man. He said, I mean, history has it, that he wouldn't be crucified in the same manner Jesus was crucified. I don't know if that's true. It is poetic. I mean, it, it makes for good preaching. But we don't know the liability of the story. But it's been preached a lot because I've heard it preached many times. He was crucified upside down. I don't know if he was or not. I don't know. But I know he died a martyr's death by history. And Jesus even said to him, someday they're going to take you where you don't want to go. That was an understatement, eh? They're going to take you where you don't want to go. And, and you will. Take your Bibles to Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8, if you would. Verse 4 through 8. 
that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It has hostility against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. And I love the next phrase. No matter how much it wants to, it cannot be. Neither indeed can be. So then they, the conclusion, these are the conclusions. So then they that are in the flesh cannot, what? Cannot please God. I declared, based on the Word of God today, that you cannot live the Christian life in the power of the will. You want to know why you fail? You're trying to live it in the power of the will. You want to know why you shamefully fall? You live it in the power of the will. The Bible says if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible does not lie. God does not hold out a carrot that cannot be eaten. He does not make a promise that cannot be fulfilled. He says if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of flesh. That means that. Peter didn't have a chance. Why? He was relying on his flesh and his willpower and his pride, and he was shamed and he was dishonored and he was harmed. I think of a new Christian's life. Let me give you a little, imagine with me a little scenario of an average new Christian. New Christian sets out to live for Jesus. They, they are filled, they are baptized in the body of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, and usually a new Christian is, is just really fun to be around because they, are, they got the energy. They got that energy, that initial energy of, of the newness of, of, the, of the life of Christ. They begin to read the Bible and they get some idea from reading the Bible of who God is. They don't have the full picture, but they got some idea. They determined, like Peter, to never fail their precious Lord Jesus. Man, if I ask for a show of hands. I remember when I first got right with God at 18 years old, I was smoking Marlboro. How many fellow Marlboro smokers do we have in the room here? We'd all be dead if we still did it. You say, I'm still doing it. Well, don't. I thought that was a deacon, but I don't know. I... I'm glad I quit smoking. The man I, when I got right with God at 18, I knew I couldn't keep smoking. I just knew it wasn't going to be part of my Christian life. I was a slave. It doesn't, you can't have two masters. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other. And so I knew inherently, nobody told me. I didn't get preached on it. But I knew when I got right with God, I couldn't smoke. I just had to quit smoking. I loved to smoke. One of my favorite things in life was to smoke. I still fondly think about it. I think of Swisher Sweets. Oh, I don't go into that. But I ask God, I say, I'm, you know, I'm a new Christian, read the Bible a little bit. I knew that I'm convicted. The Spirit tells me I can't do this, can't serve two masters. I know I'm a slave. How do I know I'm a slave? I tried to quit. 
Woo! I, could, I didn't want to live without that smoke. So I quit. I'm going to quit. Lord Jesus, I'll never smoke. I thought maybe by making promises and driving some stakes down, I'd quit smoking. Peter's problem. So I made big promises, told a bunch of people, front of the church, the whole bit. I betrayed every one of them. Pretty soon I find myself out there buying a pack of Marlboro, pulling that first cigarette out, about two puffs, and the spirit would go. I'd go, oh, I'm satisfied now. I'm satisfied. Got a little buzz. I'm satisfied. I think, oh, I wouldn't even finish that cigarette. I'd throw it out the window. I'd take my whole pack. I said, some bum's going to be happy. Throw it out the window. Back then, they were, all, they were expensive, 35 cents. Well, that ain't, that ain't cheap when you're making a buck and a half an hour, which is what I was making. So 35 cents, I throw the thing out the window. man. And then, you know, another, I go to God and I say, I didn't make hard enough promises. I got to make bigger promises. So I get to people, you know, my wife, I said to my wife, if she was smoking Winston, opposites attract. And I said, she was trying to quit smoking the same time I was trying to quit smoking. So I said, if you smoke, we're both trying to quit, I'm going to break up with you. That's the biggest thing I knew. Because, you know, I love this girl. I love this girl and wanted to marry her. I wasn't married at the time. And I gave her every reason not to marry me. And so I said, if you, if you betray, if you're a liar, I ain't going to marry you. I said, I'll quit. You quit. We don't smoke. About two years into my marriage, she comes up to me. She says, Billy, Bill, you're crying. I've done something horrible. I'm like, oh, no. No. I'm thinking, you know, oh, no. I'm at Bob Jones going to college thinking, oh, my life's over. She said, years ago when you said if you smoked, they'd break up with me. I did smoke, but I didn't tell you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's all? That's it? She said, yes, my conscience has been killing me. Oh, glory, glory. I don't care. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. But are you smoking now? She said, no, I'm not smoking anymore. I did get free. But let me tell you, God put me through a hundred different failures. Peter only got three. I denied him a hundred times. Now, I know I'm talking to on real familiar ground here. What remorse and pain I failed, my Lord. Finally, it came down. I said, Lord, I can't quit. I can't. I'm an absolute slave, unable and helpless to stop. Would you let me free? And he freed me. He freed me. But he wouldn't free me until I got it. And he didn't free Peter. Peter went out after, I bet Peter never heard a rooster crow that his conscience wasn't smitten. He heard that cock crow the second time as he denied him the third time. And the Bible says he broke down and ran 
to find a place to hide. Big old, big old brood of a guy. Well, gonna find a place to hide so he could cry himself sick. I'm nobody. I don't have any strength. Well, blubber an idiot. And without God, you are. But then what happened was God could make something out of Peter. He had some ground. Now the fertile ground was there for the spirit to grow you. You rely on God, he can work with you. You rely on yourself, he can't work with you. He can't work with you. The Bible says he resists the proud. He's hostile to you. But he gives grace, grace, unmerited favor to those that are humble. Now being humble is simply admitting the truth. That in my flesh is no good thing. I like Romans 7. Romans 6 shows that the power of sin has been destroyed and broken in the Christian's life. That's a position. Romans 7 shows the practical day-by-day application of trying to live in the flesh without the Spirit. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Romans 8 shows the beauty of living in the Spirit. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation of them who what? Walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. Boy, that's good. Boy, that's good. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, I mean, I'm in the flesh this morning. I'm walking, I'm living in this body, which is the flesh, the old nature. I'm living here. We do not war after the carnal man here, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then the next passage, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can do that through God and the Holy Spirit, but you cannot do that through the flesh. You'll fail every time. Peter proves that no one can live the Christian life without God's power. I hope you get that and get it good. Peter, by the way, don't get discouraged in the process. It is discouraging, and it is, but God's going to mold you if you... When I eventually, eventually got with, with God to the place that says, no matter how many times I fail, I'm going to get back up. Until I learn what I need to learn. And so you get back up. I've struggled with, Tom and I have struggled with anger in our life. I'm going to confess your sins and mine. Tom and I have struggled with anger. And I say, present tense, we've got to be careful. It's like an alcoholic going into a bar. That'd be crazy. And so, you, you, there are certain things about anger that dominate you and control you, and nobody wants to be around you, right? Nobody wants to be around an angry man, angry woman, more so. You'd better dwell in a corner of a housetop with a rainstorm. with a contentious and angry woman. High respect for that. 
You'll never overcome anger till you die to yourself. Die to your expectations and your rights and all these things the flesh has. But when you begin to die to those things, you, you get a new power, don't you, Tom? A new kind of power. But it's not like the flesh power. It's the Spirit's power. And what used to make you livid don't even bother you anymore. You're like, all of a sudden, you're a free man. What? It's beautiful, this walk in the Spirit. It's beautiful, this life in the Spirit of God by the, based on the Word of God. You say, well, Brother Bill, how do I start? Memorize Romans chapter 6. Reread Romans chapter 7, and I would encourage you to memorize Romans chapter 8. I've done what I'm talking about. And then that memorization is a meditation, and it's a process, and you'll show victory over the position of sin, the practicality of the daily life and the defeat of walking in the flesh, and the victory in chapter 8 of walking in the Spirit. And that's God's, that's God's plan for you and for me. And that's why things are happening in your life, what they're happening. You don't think that things are happening in your life are random, do you? You don't think that things are going on in your life that just, it's just common to man, hap chance. I hope you know God loves you more than that. I hope you know God cares about more detail about your life than that. And that he wants to build something out of your life, something eternal, something that'll last the ages through His Spirit and your submission. Father, help us today to be able to understand some of this as you see fit. We pray that the Word of God would come and that it would help the Christian in this, in this room that has been walking in the flesh and, and, and failing over and over and over again. And they're done with that. They need to submit themselves to the Spirit of the living God. Father, we pray that you'd give them insight, wisdom, understanding. For myself, that I would walk in the Spirit and not in flesh. Father, help us today to be pleasing in your sight. Thank you for your patience towards us. Thank you for your long-suffering towards us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not quitting on us. We pray, Father, that you'd come now. There may be some in this room that know not Christ as their Savior. They haven't even begun to walk. haven't even begun the spiritual walk. Maybe you'd like to talk to someone today to help you. The service is not over when the music stops and we dismiss. We'll be around, Brother Moon will be around myself, the ladies, some of our ladies love to talk to you, ladies, men with men. We like to tell you what it means to be saved. I know Christ. Father, we just pray that you'd anoint this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.